Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is caught for a touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. A big ruling in the NFL that is going to affect the future of the league, at least for the short term. We'll tell you about that. In segment three, caught in the cross lights, the PR nightmare of the week. Someone says something stupid yet again, puts their foot in their mouth. Who is it? We'll tell you that's coming up in segment three. Then in segment four, I recently had a chance to catch up with Sacramento Kings co-owner Gavin Maloof talked about why his family made the decision to keep the Kings in Sacramento instead of moving to Anaheim for at least one more year, what they're looking for from the city of Sacramento to remain in the city for the long haul. My conversation with Gavin Maloof, co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog. Download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend or follow me on Twitter. I'm at SB Radio on Twitter. Greg, some great NBA action, good NHL action too, but uh, I'm enjoying uh, the Bulls Heat series. That's just like a, a schoolyard fight. I mean, they are going at it. There's some great defense in that series. Including some nasty cuts, and it looked like a hockey game in game two. That was incredible blood all over everybody's jerseys and the floor. But yeah, lots of good action. Uh, it's been fun. Playoffs especially have been fun this year. And of all the teams remaining, I think the one player who needs a ring to validate his career the most in the moves he's made, it's LeBron James. And so far in the playoffs, he's been coming up big. Sports Business Radio headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. More of the show is coming up. She's a good girl. It's crazy about Elvis. Loves horses. And her boyfriend too Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Headline number one, if you are a fan of the NFL, this is not good news. The NFL won a significant victory at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals this week, with the court keeping in place the lockout and strongly suggesting it would ultimately overturn a lower court's decision declaring the lockout illegal. Nine active players sued the NFL, seeking a ruling the lockout was illegal because the union had decertified. The decision could shift the dynamics of the 67-day lockout with the owners for the first time securing leverage. Griggs, this continues to drag on in the courts. This ruling is really the first victory for the owners. And it just it says that, you know, there's not any oral argument scheduled until June 3rd. And I don't know. I'm not getting a good feeling that this is going to get out of the court system anytime soon. And that's not good news for fans who want training camps to start on time and who want the season to start on time in August and September. Yeah, the mess just keeps growing. And like you said, it, it just uh, the vibe doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel like it's going to get done anytime soon. And, uh, you know, as they keep going back and forth with the courts, that all delays it, makes it longer. And it's uh, it continues to be a mess that's just uh, the fans. I, I mean, even me, I'm just biting my nails waiting for that headline to come across. It's solved. We're going to play football. And it's just not happening. Don't hold your breath. Yeah. So it's interesting. There's a new poll out that suggests that the public blames the owners for the lockout more than the players. Usually it's the other way around. The Suffolk University Political Research Center received uh, 1,070 responses from likely presidential voters, and 32% of them blame the owners for the lockout. That's compared with 19% who blame the players. So that's interesting. Um, Definitely public sentiment on the side of the players. Our next headline, Phoenix Suns CEO Rick Welts announces that he's gay. And I thought the response to this, Griggs, was terrific because he got 100% support. I have not seen one person who's come out and said anything critical or stupid. Um, And it tells me that we're living in a world now where this is more acceptable than it was five or ten years ago. And maybe one day this won't even be a story, and that would be the greatest news of all. But I'll tell you, I thought he did a great job with how he handled this. I know there was a lot of thought. He met with Commissioner David Stern. He met with NBA legend Bill Russell, who he's worked with in the past. He met with Sun star Steve Nash. They were all quoted in the New York Times story when it came out. So when you've got figures like that rallying around you to support you, it really does kind of spin the story your way. So if anyone comes out against that group, they're going to look pretty stupid. Yeah, definitely. Great backing of, of people. He, he went to all the people he needed to, got support, figured out what he wanted to say, how he wanted to do it, did it well. And you got to think he's going to be a better manager and CEO with this because that's a big monkey. You know, He's been carrying that for a long time. Now it's gone. People know about it. I mean, if it was me, I think I could lead better. I could be more you know, just open. So. And it was sad. You know, the New York Times story, he's had relationships that he has had to end because he had to live in fear that that news would get out. So, you know, like you said, he can now live a normal life and not have to live hiding um, the fact that he's gay. And I thought Charles Barkley had some good comments, too. 
this week and, and you know, was very supportive of Rick Welch. So overall, I, I'm very pleased with the tone of that story. And, you know, Rick Welch, on a business level, is one of the brightest minds in the NBA. So um, it's good to see that uh, people are looking at him for what he does business-wise instead of sexual preference. Our next headline, Jamie McCourt. She might be Bud Selig's new best friend, Griggs. Why? Because according to the L.A. Times, Jamie Court is expected to ask L.A. Superior Court judge that's in her divorce to order the immediate sale of the Dodgers. She's saying that basically the way Frank McCourt is running this team is decreasing the value by the day. So essentially, she wants to order the, the immediate sale, sell the team, and get the value before Frank McCourt runs this franchise off a cliff. I think it's smart, and I also think it's really going to help Bud Selig if this divorce judge makes this order to sell the team, because then you know he doesn't have to go in and get into a, a legal uh, wrestling match with Frank McCourt. And I think she's right. I think Frank seems to be, this team just it has a dive-type feel to it. I mean, just everything that's going around there. I mean, the stadium, the fans, the, the team itself. And I think she's right. I think it would help baseball get, get it sold out there, get it, get the marketing better, get the crowd better, and the team better. I think it's a good choice. Their attendance is down sharply this year. I think it's no coincidence. They've uh, hit the 3 million mark every year since 1992. They're on track this year to not hit the 3 million mark. So, uh, big drop-off for them. In other Major League Baseball news, the Houston Astros have been sold by Drayton McLean to Jim Crane, who is a Houston business person, $680 million sale price. And uh, former Houston Rockets president George Postolos is going to serve as the Astros' new CEO. Um, Crane won't officially be in charge of the franchise for the June 6th to 8th Major League Baseball first-year player draft, but McLean is going to let him sit in on all those proceedings. So, you know, this is interesting. Drake McLean has been in the league for a long time. Jim Crane has a little bit of a background. I, I'm not going to say he's Frank McCourt, but there's some concern that he's leveraging a lot of the money that he's using for this sale, so this will be interesting to see how this turns out. Our next headline, the NBA continues to see record-setting playoff viewership through the second round. TNT has averaged 4.8 million viewers through the first two rounds of the NBA playoffs, putting the network on pace for the most viewed NBA postseason in cable TV history. The network's viewership through the second round, which is 35 games, was up 33% from last year. ABC has averaged 6.8 million viewers for its nine telegasts to date, uh, making it the highest-rated NBA playoffs on ABC since the 2002-2003 season. Griggs, we've said this time and time again, this is why the NBA cannot afford a work stoppage. Their TV ratings are terrific this year. They have great attendance at most of their venues. The interest in the league this year has been at an all-time high. If you bring that to a screeching halt with a lockout, it is devastating to your business. Now, NBA Commissioner David Stern came out this week, said that they are meeting regularly. He and Billy Hunter... Um, so that's good. When that dialogue goes away, that's when you get concerned. So at least if they're meeting regularly, 
maybe they get something done before the July 1st collective bargaining agreement expires. Yeah, I mean, NBA is ticking right now. You can see it in the crowd. The crowds are phenomenal in the playoffs this year. I just love it. I love the colors, how they're doing, giving everybody shirts and everything. And yeah, screeching halt if this happens. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I wonder if some of the attendance and the viewership is because the fan in the back of their mind says, this might be the last game I'm going to see in who knows how long. So I don't know, but it's been great. So coming up next, it seems like every week someone sticks their foot in their mouth and they say something stupid. We have a segment on the show called Caught in the Crosslights. Who is the executive who said something really silly this week? Didn't think before he spoke? You'll find that out coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. I don't want to be your I don't want to be your stupid king With my big black boots and an old suitcase I do believe I'll find myself a new place I don't want to be the bad guy I don't want to do your sleepwalk dance Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well... I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. For an in-depth analysis of the week's PR nightmare, Sports Business Radio presents Caught in the Crosslights. Crosslights. So when I'm not doing this show, my job is to media train athletes, executives, politicians. I work with people all over the country, actually changing the name of our company. Uh, it's going to become Everything is on the Record. You'll be able to find us at everythingisontherecord.com because everything is on the record now. And this week, the NBA draft lottery took place, and Dan Gilbert sent his 14-year-old son, Nick, to the draft lottery as the team's lucky charm. And Nick is a special young man. He was born with NF, which is a genetic nerve disorder that causes tumors to grow in his body anywhere and at any time. And according to Dan Gilbert... Nick's father, who owns the Cleveland Cavaliers, Nick has undergone brain surgery and four rounds of chemo. He's lost vision in one eye, and he's had countless visits to the hospitals and doctor's offices. So right off the bat, I think, Griggs, you know, there needs to be some sensitivity here about what you say about Nick. I mean, most normal people that just, you know, know better know that there needs to be some sensitivity there. Plus, you've got to have a lot of respect for Nick Gilbert for what he's gone through. And you know, I think it was great that his father, who calls Nick his personal hero, selected his son to be the lucky charm at the draft. Well, lo and behold, 
the Minnesota Timberwolves were uh, mathematically expected to get the number one pick. They had the largest number of ping pong balls because they had the worst record in the NBA. Well, as has been the case many times in the last few years, the team with the worst record doesn't win the lottery and get the number one pick. After the draft lottery, David Kahn, the general manager of the Minnesota Timberwolves, had this to say about losing to 14-year-old Nick and the Cleveland Cavaliers. This league has a habit, I'm just going to say a habit, of producing some pretty incredible storylines. You know, last year it was uh, Abe Coleman's uh, widow, and this year it's a 14-year-old boy who I only had one thing in common with, both in bar mitzvah. And so uh, we were done. I told Kevin, we're, we're toast. This is, not, this is not happening for us. And I was right about that. We were done. As soon as the 14-year-old came up there, it was lights out. So essentially, David Kahn is suggesting that the lottery was rigged in order to go with the more compelling storyline of Nick Gilbert, 14-year-old, battling NF, uh, being a spokesperson for the Children Tumors Foundation. It's ridiculous. First of all, Griggs, it's insensitive. Secondly, I guarantee you that NBA Commissioner David Stern was on the phone to Minnesota Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor within minutes of reading this comment saying, you better get your guy in line real quick or we're going to have a big problem. The other thing is it just goes to show, you know, in the, in the olden days, you could make a comment like this and it would kind of disappear into oblivion. Well, when you make this comment on national TV, and with the 24-7 nature of the media cycle today, this thing lives on Twitter, it lives on Facebook, it's online everywhere, and people are like, what an insensitive you-know-what David Kahn is for making this comment. And as I always say when I'm working with my clients, think before you speak. David Kahn obviously did not think before he spoke. Yeah, and like we say, caught in the cross lights, I mean, there it is, perfect example. I mean, you, you, the lights are on him. I mean, people are waiting, and then he says something like that. And like you said, I mean, with uh, with the, the kid up there, the fourteen year old boy, you know, obviously people are, are seeing that they're sensitive already. They're they're seeing the vibe of the whole night, and then he goes on and says something like that. So it's, it even hits harder, I think, because people already saw what kind of night it was. Well, and then he doesn't even refer to him by name. You know, the fourteen year old boy. Really, have some respect for this kid. I mean, Nick Gilbert, yeah, he's 14 years old, but he's been through a lot, according to all the stories I've read, and has persevered, and what a brave young man to even take the stage that night. There's a lot of kids that say, you know what, I can't do that after what I've been through, but he did it, and I don't think there was anyone around that didn't say, you know what, first of all, great for Nick Gilbert, good for him. And then the other thing is, is good for a Cleveland Cavalier fan. Because they've been through hell the last year after LeBron left and and basically rendered their franchise meaningless in the NBA. Now they get the number one pick. And sure, there's no LeBron James coming out or Derrick Rose, but Kyrie Irving is a nice player. They've got the number one and four picks. They have some options. And to suggest that this may have been a conspiracy by the NBA... I think you're threatening the integrity of the league in which you are a part of if you're David Kahn. And I know that David Stern does not like that at all. 
Yeah, and I, I agree. I think you had David Stern was probably on the phone minutes after that uh, dropped, saying, "Get this figured out and get my, get me a statement out because this is not going to happen anymore." And uh, like you said, I think it's great for Cleveland, and uh, I think it would be cool to see Cleveland rebuild this team and then come back and get LeBron down the down the road because I think Cleveland's got. I mean. They got a city that loves them. I, th- I think they've got fans, they've got owners that can make it happen, and I think this is going to be a good start for them. Let me tell you what. I think there's a better chance that I wind up playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers than LeBron James as long as Dan Gilbert is the owner. Now, getting back to David Kahn for a moment, as most people do, after they say something stupid, oh, they can't backtrack fast enough. After they've been scolded, as we just suggested Kahn probably was, by his owner, Glenn Taylor— after Taylor probably got ripped a new one by David Stern. Kahn, in a statement sent Wednesday by the Wolves to the Associated Press, said he wasn't suggesting a conspiracy of any kind. Here's what he said. I don't believe in jinxes, curses, or hocus-pocus, and I certainly don't think we were wronged. But I do believe in the power of a story, and I joked last night that it's a heck of a better story for a 14-year-old kid to beat out a couple of middle-aged executives standing together on a stage on national TV, and that our league seems to always have its own share of luck in being a part of these stories. And then he said, that was the entire meaning of what I said last night in a joking fashion, and what I believe was received in such a fashion. Okay, worst apology ever. First of all, (laughs) you're trying to say that it wasn't received a certain way when it obviously was, or else you probably wouldn't have had to put a statement out following up on your stupid statement, right? The other thing is, is he's again not referring to Nick Gilbert. He's calling him the 14-year-old, which is totally disrespectful. Look, people who are listening to this show, if you're a spokesperson, if you represent a brand and you're not respectful or you say something stupid, you need to own it. And if you don't own it, and this is not owning it by David Kahn, it's only going to get worse and worse for you. David Kahn, trust me when I say, when we write his obituary as an NBA executive one day, this will be in the first paragraph, the day that he made stupid comments about the lottery being rigged and was disrespectful to 14-year-old Nick Gilbert, son of... Cleveland Cavaliers owner, Dan Gilbert. I just think, you know, it's remarkable to me, Griggs, how many times people don't think before they speak, and then they think, oh, I said it, but it'll go away. Not in today's world. It just doesn't happen that way. And when the the spotlight is on you, you have to recognize that what you say carries a lot of weight. And if you don't, you're going to find yourself in a situation like this. And Khan's response there was just, the whole thing was a joke. I mean, he uses words like hocus pocus, and he even said joking response and all this stuff. It's just like, I mean, it's just like a slap in the face. I mean, obviously David or his, David Stern or somebody told him, you got to do this. And then he's like, okay, whatever. Here's my jokey response. Well, he put out a statement. And frankly, I don't even know if it was from him, but even if a PR person came up with that statement, they did a terrible Terrible. job. (laughs) That's that's a terrible statement because you're not really apologizing. All right, that's our caught in the cross lights for this week. David Kahn, I don't think you're going to have a very long career as an NBA executive, but I guess we'll see. Coming up next, Gavin Maloof, the co-owner of the Sacramento Kings. Really a fun guy. I've had him on the show before. I want to talk to him about why his family is keeping the Kings in Sacramento instead of going to Anaheim. They had a chance to go to Anaheim. They're giving Sacramento one more year to get a new arena built, to do some other things to show that Sacramento can be viable for the Kings 
in the long term. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. My guest is Gavin Maloof. He's the co-owner of the Sacramento Kings. Gavin, how are you? I'm doing fine. Gavin, what were your emotions when you sat there the last game, Power Balance Arena, at the end of last season, and you saw the fans and their signs? What was running through your mind? I saw the TV clips, and it looked like you and your family had a lot running through your mind. We did. Actually, I wasn't at the game. I was in New York for the Board of Governors meeting, so I I wasn't at the game. (laughs) I was watching it on my phone, and uh, uh, it was just very emotional for for all of us, for the family, and the crowd was really into it, and uh, people were were, had a sad feeling, so it was was emotional for all of us because we've always had a, a great love affair with our fans in the city of Sacramento, and um, it's just something that uh, was really special, the, the relationship that we've had together. Besides your love for the city of Sacramento, what factors led to your decision to keep the Kings in Sacramento for at least one more season instead of uh, going to Anaheim? Because, you know, you guys have tried so hard to make things work there in Sacramento, and, and you haven't found the answer to that riddle yet. Well, just that, uh, we, we, we've tried hard. We The reason we came back is we wanted to give our fans another try to, to see if we can get an arena built in, here in Sacramento. And, um, and and the business community really stepped up with unbelievable support, millions of dollars to help the cause. And uh, we just felt it was very heartwarming. And the outpouring of support was incredible. And we just wanted to give it one more shot. So I think you guys met with some people about a new arena this week. And... What have you learned so far? I know that in the past, taxpayers have said, no, we're not going to contribute to a new arena. Are they singing a different tune now? Well, it's hard to tell right now. I, I think uh, what I do know is that the political leaders, there's, there's a will there to, to work something out. The business community's behind it. I think the uh, the fans are behind it. Um, and there's, there's a lot of support where in the past, and also the, the newspapers be, uh, behind it. So that certainly helps. Where in the past we've tried eight times, this will be our ninth attempt, 
we haven't had all the factions uh, uh, with us in, in all those attempts. Either we've had one with us and four against, or two and three against. I mean, it's just been a, uh, a nightmare to, to try to get something done. But hopefully everybody realizes now that there needs to be a new arena, and um, they love this team, and the passion for this team is unparalleled sports. Gavin, how much would a new arena cost approximately, and, and how would you and your family like that arena to be paid for ideally? Uh, well, it's, it's hard to get into specifics right now, but you know, you're, you're looking at around $400 million, $400 million plus, but it's hard to get into specifics how it's going to be paid for. Obviously, we, we would always put in our fair share uh, through a lease, and uh, we've, we've said that before, and we'll say it again, that we'll put in our fair share. And, uh, but, but we don't have anything uh, concrete now. I mean, it's still in the uh, development stages. Yeah, I mean, I just look in the past again when you put this to a vote, and you're in a really bad state for getting taxpayers historically to chip in for anything. I mean, whether it's the A's or the San Diego Chargers or uh, the Oakland Raiders, teams have not been able to get the public to help contribute to the cost of an arena. And I'm wondering, you know, how much is the Maloof family willing to chip in for a new arena versus, hey, we need this percentage from you, uh, the fans? Well, like I said, uh, we'll do our fair share, and uh, we'll do that through a lease. And, uh, you know, I can't put any specific numbers on it because I don't know what the deal is. Uh, so we've always said that, and uh, you're, you're right. We're in a, we're in a state that, that really doesn't like raising taxes. I don't know that we go before the vote of the public. There's different pockets of money throughout the city that, that would probably be looked at. Yeah, and I saw Chris Weber uh, has been on a campaign to try and raise money for a new arena, and I saw at the rally uh, earlier this week, you had Doug Christie and Scott Pollard and some former players there. It's got to feel good that not only the the fans and the public, but the former players seem to really want to keep the Kings in Sacramento. Well, they do, and it was, it was terrific to see Doug Christie and, and, and Scott Pollard. You know, they've always been great friends, and of course, Chris Weber's uh, a fan favorite, and it's nice because we, we've always kind of developed a family-type atmosphere, even with, with our ex-players. We we just have that kind of bond that, that we've always had. And the ex-players like coming back to Sacramento. They like the, the fans. I think they, they like us as a family. And uh, it was heartwarming to see the uh, them come back to, to try to support us any way they can. We're joined by Gavin Maloof. He's the co-owner of the Sacramento Kings. Gavin, I know at the last half of the season, a lot of talk about the future of the Kings. Because of that talk, did that hurt season ticket sales, or are you tracking in a in a way that you are happy with? Oh my gosh, our sales are through the roof. <laughs> That's great. Uh, it's 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 incredible what's happened. It's, it's almost like uh, fielding a, an expansion team that everybody's cheaped up around here because uh, we. We really have a, a great young team. We're going to have a top five pick again this this coming year. We've got two second round picks. We've got uh, more cap space than any team in the NBA. Uh, so we're we're just poised to to really make a jump for the future. I mean, this this next year, uh, we have a lot of space and we intend on spending it. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a little awkward right now, and I know you can't talk about the CBA, but it's just like the unknown. We don't know what the rules of the NBA with length of contracts and hard caps and, 
um, you know, free agency, what that's going to look like beyond July 1. So it's great to have the hope in the cap space, but uh, it's just kind of weird right now, isn't it? I'll tell you, no one's, no one's poised for the future better than we are. I mean, we have, like I said, we have the most cap space. We'll get another top five pick. We've got Tyreek Evans. We've got DeMarcus Cousins, who just made the all-rookie team. Uh, we have, uh, we're going to try to re-sign Marcus Thornton and try to re-sign Samuel D'Alembert. We have a great young team, and we had a couple of veterans, uh, really good veterans. And watch out. I mean, we, we think we can really make a, a big move next year. And do you feel pretty confident with uh, Paul Westfall as your coach and Jeff Petrie and Wayne Cooper and the, the front office people there that have been with you for a while now? Yes, yes. And, and, and we, we gained a lot of steam last uh, towards the end of this past season. We won six games on the road. In fact, we won more games on the road than we did at home. I know our, our record wasn't indicative of that, but towards the end of the season, I mean, we were playing great ball, and Marcus Thornton's been just an incredible addition for us. I mean, he, this guy has been terrific, and, and Samuel uh, really played well towards the second half of the season, and, of course, Cousins was putting up double-doubles, and Tyreek had a foot injury, and, and he was uh, off that foot injury. He started coming on towards the end of the season, and we just picked up a lot of steam, and we got to we got a great young team. People are counting us out, but we don't count ourselves out. <laughs> Gavin, Sacramento is a small market franchise with a limited number of dollars available for media rights. Uh, do you think the NBA will maybe move to a system where teams like the Lakers, who are going to make $3 billion from their new TV deal with Time Warner, are able to share revenues with teams like the Kings or the Portland Trailblazers or Milwaukee Bucks? Well, I think that kind of gets into collective bargaining, so I really can't comment on that. Okay. Well, I'll just tell you, I hope that it happens because it seems like, you know, there's the same rules of, uh, you know, the salary cap and everything, but the major advantages for the big market teams is they just have so much more money from their, their media rights deals. What are the biggest challenges facing the NBA over the next three to five years? Obviously, we've got to make a new CBA, but just in general, um, I know the league is thriving. TV ratings are up. It's really popular right now. But do you see any challenges that need to be tackled in the future? Well, I think just teams need to be profitable. It's real simple. Teams need to be profitable. Yeah, I hear that. Well, I know you guys have always spent, you know, a lot of money on making your team competitive and making sure that you have, you know, the best amenities for your players. And like you were saying, you have a lot of space and free agency, and Sacramento has always been a, a pretty nice destination for players to come to because of the fact that the Maloof family, they know when they come play for the Maloofs, the Maloofs are, are going to take care of them because you're so passionate about the game of basketball. We are. We, we treat all of them like they're part of the family. And, you know, we've had so many. Uh, I think it's the first time Chris Weber set foot in Sacramento. He probably didn't want to be here. But once he got uh, to playing with his teammates and once he got here with the city and, and the fans, he just loved it. And he misses it. And uh, he's told me it's the, the, the best years of his life were in Sacramento. And so we see that as, as a positive for any player that, that plays here. I mean, they, they just love this city because of the, the fan support. I mean, these fans are incredible. They're loud, loudest fans in the NBA. They always have been. Um, and, and we did really well for, for a lot of years. We, we had 350 straight sellouts. So there was a lot of magic here. And I think we can get, get that magic back just uh, going out and getting a couple of prize-free agents adding to this core that we already established and getting another great young player in the draft, and boom, we're, we're there. No, I think you have a lot of promises you've said. Before I let you go, 
going away from basketball for a moment. Tell me about the Maloof Money Cup, the skateboarding contest. You guys are giving away like $20,000. Tell me about that. Well, the Maloof Money Cup is, is a great event. We're going to have one in New York here in, in uh, early June, June 3rd and 4th. And uh, we're really excited about that. It'll be our second event in, uh, in New York City. It's, it's the world's greatest skateboard event. In, um, <clears throat> and also we're doing South Africa and uh, Washington, D.C. and Orange County again. Just It's really just exploded and every, all the kids love to skateboard in fact skateboarding is bigger than little league baseball now uh more kids uh, skate than play little league so we're uh just on the cusp of something really really big with the skateboarding and it's been very well received how did you get involved in that did you skateboard when you were a kid or did <laughs> someone just come to you and go hey this is a great idea you should throw some money on it well you know we, joe and i have been, i've never been on a skateboard i think it's <laughs> If I did, I'd probably break my neck. So I'll stay <laughs> off of that. I'll leave it for the young people. But we we were just driving down PCH and just looked outside and saw these hundreds and thousands of skaters. So we were going to have like a skate camp for them. Just thought it'd be kind of fun. And then one thing led to another. And the next thing you know, we're giving out uh, half a million dollars in purse money. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you play basketball growing up, or did you uh, were you not a basketball guy either? No, I well, no, I played a little bit of basketball. We all we all played college football. All four of us played college football, but we we played basketball in high school. And, but uh, we were we were football players mainly. So you're a sports family. You guys have always liked sports in general. Sports. We're sports fanatics. We love sports. Uh, you know, if I if we had enough money, I'd own a, uh, a team in every sport. I <laughs> just love it. So, you know, it's great. How's the Palms Casino doing? I've been down there before and uh, enjoy whenever I'm there. How's that doing? Doing, doing well. I mean, we 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 we've gotten to a point. We we have a couple partners. We have no debt on it. Uh, we're making money. It's life is great. <laughs> so we're with. I think Vegas is is rebounding. The numbers of people are are there. It's just maybe they're not spending as much as they used to. But man, it's it's still, it's still busy and it's. Sometimes it's difficult to get a room on the weekends. Very difficult. Yeah, a few years ago there was all this talk about uh, a team, an NBA team or an NFL team going to Vegas someday. How far off do you think that is, or do you think it'll ever happen? I think it could could happen sooner rather than later. I mean, it's just the same old catch-22. They they need an arena built. There has to be an NBA-style arena. You can't play in Thomas and Mac. It's, it's like a power balance pavilion here in Sacramento, uh, so you, you need the, the facilities, you need an NBA-style arena, but Vegas would be a great market for the NBA. Yeah, it's kind of fun doing a new arena. I used to work for the Blazers and, and help with the Rose Garden, and you get to go around and look at the, all the arenas and what worked and what didn't work, and you make it as modern as possible. I bet that's going to be an enjoyable process for you if you can get something done in uh, Sacramento. Yes, it, it is, and we've studied it <laughs> Well, like I said, this is this will be our ninth attempt at the new arena, so we kind of know what we want. You're like an expert. Yeah, oh yeah, we're experts. We're experts, and um, every now and then you'll you'll see a, a new concept that comes up that uh, that we'll probably incorporate in this this arena in Sacramento, and you'll you'll take a little bit from other arenas and incorporate it in this one, but. You'll come up with something new, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Would it be like a, a multi-purpose development? I know there are some that, you know, it's just the arena, and then there's others where it's like this whole city, and there's restaurants and retail, and there's uh, living spaces and things like that. 
Yeah, it's probably a little bit of all that, Brian. I, 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 what they're talking about is putting this arena downtown Sacramento, which would, would help all the other businesses in that area and uh, would, would spawn other businesses to uh, develop around the arena, restaurants and bars, et cetera. So it, it's a catalyst because you're bringing a million to a million and a half people downtown that normally wouldn't be there, and, and they're, they're there when we start our games at 7 o'clock. So a lot of people would just stay downtown instead of going home. They would just stay there and eat in the restaurants and then come to the game. Yeah, I mean, I look at downtown Detroit or Baltimore or Cleveland, cities that, that had dead downtowns before they put their arenas or stadiums downtown, and it really revitalized those cities. And, you know, I know you're kind of on the outskirts right now at Power Balance. I think it would be great if you had an arena downtown. Yes, it's, it's a formula that works. And you can... Some people that, that don't care for an arena, I mean, you, you can't debate that putting an arena downtown will help all businesses. You just can't debate against that because it works. And it's been done time and time again, different instances in, in Colorado, Denver, you know, just wherever an arena is put, it revitalizes that area, no question about it. Last question, what kind of a deadline does the city of Sacramento and Mayor Kevin Johnson have to show you what you need to say, okay, we're here for the long term. Well, I think it's you know it has to be fairly quick. Uh, we, you know, we've I think the league has given them till March to to come up with a plan to to finance this uh, show us how to finance this, this building, and uh, we're all ears and we're we're, we're uh, engaged a hundred percent in the process. My brother George actually will be heading the process for our family. Joe and I will focus on the, the team. But uh, we're all we're all ready to go. We're, we're we're anxiously waiting to get started and see how they they come up with the financing and we'll assist any way we can. Gavin Maloof, the co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, it is always excellent to catch up with you. I think it's great that you're keeping the Kings in Sacramento for another year, giving the people of Sacramento a chance to keep that team there. It's one of the staples of the NBA. It's so important to the city. So nice job for doing that. Well, great. Uh, thank you very much, Brian. Enjoyed being on your program. All right, take care. That's Gavin Maloof of the Sacramento Kings. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, this story is going to impact how you watch TV right away, but it's definitely going to impact it over the next few years. Dick Ebersol is stepping down as NBC Universal Sports and Olympics chairman. This, according to the Sports Business Journal, they first broke that story. That's big news. 
Dick Ebersol, one of the most powerful people in television. And if he's stepping away from NBC and the Olympics, um, that's going to change how we watch TV in the next several years. Another quick story. Maya Moore is the first female player to sign with the Jordan brand. That was announced this week. I think that's great. I have a daughter. Uh, Maya Moore was awesome at UConn as a female basketball player. She was the number one pick of the Minnesota Lynx. The Jordan brand is trying to ramp up production of women's basketball shoes, and I think Maya Moore is a terrific spokesperson for their company. All right, I want to ask you to do me a favor here. We're trying to get to know our audience better and who's listening to this show and how they're listening to the show. In seven years, we've never done anything like this, but we have a survey posted on our website, sportsbusinessradio.com. It'll take you five minutes to fill the survey out. And if you fill it out, we're going to select one person at random who gets to come on Sports Business Radio, our nationally syndicated radio show, our podcast with tens of thousands of listeners every week. You get to talk about your company. You get to talk about your brand. We will give you a segment where you have the, the microphone to promote what you're doing and promote your brand. So go to sportsbusinessradio.com, fill out this survey, let us know who you are, what segment of the sports industry you work in. Maybe you don't even work in the sports industry, but we're trying to find out more about the demographics of the audience that listens to our show. And if you could go online to sportsbusinessradio.com, we would appreciate you filling out the survey, and you might have the chance to come on our show and promote what you're doing. I want to thank Gavin Maloof, the co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, for joining us. Our show staff, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Jared Melzer, Patrick O'Neill, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the iTunes icon. Our podcast will be downloaded automatically to your iPod every week. Follow me on Twitter at... SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you right here next week on Sports Business Radio. Teach Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the Bowl Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio.